Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. Now, one of the probably number one topics that people contact us about is deliverance ministry. And it all goes back to CIC issue number 78. So right. can you just give us a little background about your history with deliverance ministry and why we're talking about this today? Yes. From 1975 to about 1980 or 79, thereabouts, probably 79 is when I started deciding it wasn't right. I was involved with a group that was known for doing deliverance inner healing, counseling of curse breaking, everything you, that's out there. You know, we had some version of it that we were doing. And issue 78, I tell some stories about the manifestations and so on, and explain why this whole thing is really quite hopeless once you understand what the problems are. And then issue 78, besides the stories, I quote some of these deliverance people like Bob Larson and Watchman Nee really had a lot to do with this back in the 1930s. And so there's a lot about that in issue 78. And I pointed out it's all, it's wrong. It's not what the Bible teaches. And I got out of it after seeing the bad fruit and then reanalyzing the scriptures and thinking, wait a second, I don't think this is right. And then after 1980, I, I finally ended up just, I'm going to teach the Bible. Enough of this manipulating the world of the spirits and curse breaking and everything I've been doing for five years. I'm just going to teach the Bible. And I've been doing that ever since, which is for over 40 years now. All right. So this deliverance ministry, did it work? Well, you have some testimonies of satisfied people that would say they feel a lot better or they're getting some victory, but then they would start getting troubled again. They'd be back. And part of the thing that made me question is, was the same people would have the same problems over the course of those five years. And some would just travel. They'd think, well, maybe there's somebody better over in Indiana or something. They, they literally travel the country looking for a better deliverance counselor. Oh, no. And we had people that came to us that had been elsewhere, and they thought, well, maybe we're better. And it was based on being able to have knowledge about what was going on in the realm of the spirits and how the spirits are interacting with the person and how the spirits may or may not have caused whatever symptoms they had, whether they were physical or mental, usually mental, and what that had to do with their own past. So there was a lot of processing people's past and trying to identify inroads that may allow the demons in in the first place. And then you, then you add in fears, dreams. So dreams are taken as significant. So then that always caused some realm that you had to look into the dreams. And it's really got so complex that I eventually realized that if you go into that realm, 
it's utterly hopeless. All right. And there's some basic reasons why it is. Now, a lot of people may hear this and say, well, I got help. I went to these uh, to some meeting and they broke the curse or a generational curse or they cast out a demon or whatever, and I got a lot better. And there are always going to be testimonies of satisfied customers with anything that anybody has ever done. Okay. Including lotions you buy in the, over the internet that are going to get rid of arthritis in your knees or whatever. Right. There, there's nothing in the world that doesn't have some satisfied customers. Uh, but reality is complex. So what I began to realize was this is just creating confusion and fear and hopelessness. And as I've said before on our uh, podcast, I started interviewing the leaders of the movement that I knew and had access to and asked them, had they themselves ever gone through this sort of ministry? Had they received inner healing from someone? Had they had demons cast out of them? Had they had curses broken over them? And I hadn't. And I was mm -hmm. one of the leaders. I was a speaker and I was a minister. And I, to my not so much surprise, but I found out that none of the others had either. Okay. Okay, so this was what everybody needed, but somehow we didn't need it at whatever point we came to Christ. And every one of us, including me, had the same testimony. Well, God changed my life when I came to Christ. Right. Okay. So yeah. when I started thinking just logically, well, then why do everybody else need all these ministries after they came to Christ in order to find freedom when none of us ever did? Right. That kind okay. of makes the gospel some sort of interesting starting point, but there's still this whole system that you have to go through. Right. You, you know, Jessica, you just said something very important. That's literally what happened. We didn't okay. say the gospel was false. We believed it. And every once in a while, I know in my preaching, every once in a while I'd mention that and tell people they need to come to Christ. So it wasn't okay. gone, but it wasn't considered the decisive factor. Okay. Okay. That was the starting point. And then allegorizing the Old Testament is what gave um, – fuel to the fire of doing this process. And if you read some of the people that we're going to talk about, like this Neil Anderson here. Okay. It says on the top of this book, over 1 million copies sold. Wow. Over 1 million copies, the bondage maker. And so he has more processes than anybody I've ever seen, except for maybe Bob Larson. And He's written book after book, and everyone has checklists, okay? And I actually okay, copied okay. some of these. Here's checklist. You can see that. Here's checklist that you go through. Here's, I think there's uh, questions and, and more checklists and questions. Okay? okay. Check this. Question this. Say this. Here. Checklist. Oh. Wow. Looking through the checklist. And then he's always been really big on 
renunciations and affirmations. I renounce on whatever it is you found on your checklist. And then the affirmation is, I now am going to trust Christ, which in itself is a good thing. Right. And, but when you put it all together, and he has another whole thing called your identity in Christ, which we've written about, where we assume we have problems because we don't have a rock-solid idea of our identity. And so then he has affirmations. I am a child of God. I am free from fear. I am strong. I am bold. And so there's this self-talk. Right. Okay? Now, uh, dear listeners and <laughs> watchers on YouTube, we like these sort of things. Maybe it's American. I, I think it's probably true all around the world. But give me some process because then I got some hope something's going to happen. Right. Some people okay. feel better having something to do. Yeah, they want to do something and they want to treat it as an engineering problem. Mm -hmm. And so then trying to help people see the fallacy of that, I've come up with ways of explaining what's wrong with it. And one way is this. I say, don't trust any Christian sanctification teaching that requires processing the past. Right. Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's actually, first, let's define that. What do we mean processing the past? Okay. So let's say, because uh, we're talking about Christians, mm -hmm. you heard the gospel, you, you believed it, you confessed Christ, you're born of God, and you believe the Bible's the word of God. Okay. Okay. And now you're going forward. We believe in means of grace. I've written an article or several about that. I mean, means of grace are accessible, and they're the same for everyone. There's right. no process of sanctification that only works for some Christians. Okay. Nor is the sort of sanctification process you need unique to whatever your past was. Okay. Okay. Now, if there's things that we need to be done with, like they did in Acts, if you've been reading magical arts and you're trusting them, and you got the amulets and the, the demons and the Ouija board and all that stuff, yeah, you, you dump that right away. But, and but the, we usually want to, right? The Holy Spirit convicts us. Well, they do it I, I remember clearing my bookshelf and my CD case. I just, all of a sudden, this stuff was repulsive to me. I didn't want it in my home or... Right. Well, you know, I didn't want to watch the same movies. My God changes us from the inside out. Well, we saw that in our interview with Amy on the Kundalini Yoga. Right. You don't right. go back to the yoga studio after God delivers you from it. Yep. Okay. Well, you see that in action in this article okay. that we're going to talk about. I cover that. And so, but that happened at a point in time at their conversion. Okay. We right. weren't still trying to figure it out five years later. Right. Okay. The people I was helping, but for years they were going through this. And I get emails from people that have literally flown around the country looking for somebody who could get a revelation about what curse was causing their problems. Wow. All right, so processing the past means a lot of things, depending on which false teaching you came under. And we've written articles about most of them. Generational curses. Right. And so you have problems because you're under a generational curse, 
and that's based on a misuse of some passages of the Old Testament of the third and fourth generation. In the article, it showed that this becomes hopeless immediately because if you go back four generations, there's, there's who knows how many people, depending if there have been any divorces and remarriage and death and then remarriage, there could be how many people who had sinned whose sin is causing you your problems now, and you don't even know about it. Right. It's and you have no way of knowing about it. It's, it's hopeless. Yeah, it's intrinsically unknowable. But they think that's the key. So then they're looking for a shaman. Now, Christians don't call their ministers shamans, but that's what, unfortunately, we turn into when we try to do these things, who can get a supernatural revelation about which one of these hundreds of possible sources is causing the problem you got now. That's not knowledge that we could ever have other than by a supernatural source. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so you got the curses. Then you got previous occult activities, which could have been some person you never even knew. Right. Okay. And the fact that you dumped all those things when you got saved wasn't good enough. You have to go through this process of renunciation and affirmation that Neil Anderson prescribes that is necessary. And then there's, there's things you may have forgotten about. Well, then you're in trouble because you forgot what it was you did. And, and so on and so forth. So we've dealt with that. Then there's the inner healing theories, all of which are processing the past. In other right. words, your well-being, the, the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, the fruits of the Spirit, the things that if they were true and are true by God's grace in our life are going to make us Christians who demonstrate that God is at work in our lives because we have the okay. joy of the Holy Spirit and our lives are different. Well, all of that's depending on us processing things that were a part of the memories we had at some previous point in our life before we came to Christ. Theophastic. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> At so, the time that he was writing about Theophastic, I was going to Christian counseling. And we started putting these two things together, and I realized that's what I was getting. Every, all of my problems had to do with a talking doll that I was scared of as a little girl in Martinsville, Indiana. <laughs> or walking, yeah. I think it was. Whatever the case. Was it I mean, what was the so then I needed Jesus to come and speak the truth to me about, about this doll that I was afraid of when I was four years old. Right. And so I wrote about that, you know, some years yeah. ago. You but, can find that on the CIC website. Yeah. We have a video to it on, uh, about Theophastic on YouTube also. Yeah. I went it's and spoke stuff. at a seminary. It was coming into a denomination, and their seminary asked me to come out and refute it. Yes. So all of this is a failure of faith. We don't believe that God did what he said he did and that we are safe in Christ because what he, of what he has done. And um, this article that we intend to talk about, the gospel as the true armor of God, CAC issue 122, um, and transfer of dominion, we deal with a lot of the passages in Ephesians. And I've been preaching through Ephesians now for the last two and a half years, and I'm about done. And I'm actually currently at Gospel of Grace Fellowship finishing a series on the armor of God. Okay? Yep. 
And what I've learned now through even more extensive study from the Greek is that I did have a right back when I wrote this article. And the emphasis is on standing. Okay. And we're standing firm in Christ and in the promises of God. So, dear saints, if somebody's telling you what you need to do is process your past, identify what contact you may have ever had with any kind of occult thing. Everybody's probably done so, knowingly or unknowingly, okay? Because it's just everywhere. Somebody had a Ouija board as a, as a toy as a kid or whatever. They had some contact. They, they were flipping through the paper and they may have looked at their horoscope to see how stupid it is. Okay, so... There's all of that, and then your memories and into curse. If you go into that realm, here's what I'm telling you, dear saints. It will be a complex, convoluted, confusing quagmire of hopelessness. Amen. It is. And I'm not making this up because I've heard from hundreds and hundreds of people since 1992 when I started writing that fell into that hopelessness. Yep. And they think that their sanctification isn't going to happen and their well-being isn't going to be the case based on a failure to properly process the past. And that, that teaching is just abusive. It cripples young Christians. Well, they all run into it. There's yeah. so many of these books out there. Everybody runs into it. This one... Neil Anderson book, if he sold a million of those, how many people borrowed one? Right. Who knows? But it, it's, it's nonsense. Uh, it's foolishness. Now, he has some true things in there, quite a few. Not everything in there is false. He has a basic understanding of Christian doctrine. But his understanding of sanctification is utterly deficient because it's tailored to each person depending on what their past was. Wow. And so that's not a means of grace. I can't tell you the issue number, but I I have an article in CAC about means of grace. Yes. And one of the things that we claim there is that means of grace are accessible for all Christians. Acts 2.42. They all fellowshiped around the apostles teaching, breaking bread, prayer. Uh, Our pastor was just preaching about that this last Sunday. Okay, mm-hmm. so they didn't single them out and say, okay, how many had been in the Artemis cult? How many had been under this other goddess? How many did this? How many did that? How many did these things? No, they all came to the same means of grace. Right. And God uses those things to change all Christians because they are by grace through faith like salvation is. But what's wrong is that the inner healing and deliverance teachings say that you begin in the spirit, but you're perfected by the flesh, although they call it the spirit. Right. They say, well, you got to identify all of these things of the flesh so that you can uniquely deal with each one and try to get rid of it and crucify it or whatever. But the whole person is crucified with Christ. Right. 
The whole past is under the blood. Yeah. The whole person is a new creature in Christ. Yeah. And Ephesians says, put off the old man, put on the new. Right. Using a metaphor of clothing. So, and it doesn't say go back and inspect the old man to find out. Yeah. Well, you find out which part you got to take off, and it. These books, Bob Larson dealing with demons, he says the first thing you need to do is interrogate the demons. Here, let me just read what people are getting. Okay. 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 Here's what. Larson says, why would you bombard a demonic manifestation with lengthy, high-volume tirades against evil when what is really needed is to methodically get relevant information that will destroy the power base of the demons, which usually involves sins, unbroken curses, and ungodly soul ties. Okay, so you need to figure out how the demons are getting their Hold, which is typical in deliverance teaching. So okay, sins, okay. well, how many sins did we commit before we came to Christ? What all, we're all, well, it's, we can't figure it out totally because yeah. Jeremiah 17 says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who could know it? Right. Only we sin more than we even know. Yeah. But God knows it and he cleanses the whole person, not methodically this, 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 this. But according to Larson, the demons have a hold of you because of this, 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 this. And you better figure it out. But there's more, okay? So you got to figure out unbroken curses. Well, how do you know what that is? By the way, what's a soul tie? You know, I've read through the Bible many times, and I've never come across that one. I haven't either. But all these, a lot of the books have that. Wow. There was a big teaching about that in the 70s when I was in deliverance. I never okay. got into it, but there were people who were identifying soul ties and breaking them. Okay, so when these, when these false teachers say soul ties, what do they mean? Okay, let's say somebody in their lost state was promiscuous. Okay. So every sexual partner they'd ever had created a soul tie with the person. And okay. so these souls are somehow mystically bound together, and they have ways of coming up with that. Okay. Like him, where Paul says not to be joined to the harlot. He right. was joined to God as one spirit. And so mm-hmm. then there's all these things. Now, absolutely, it's, it's sinful to be joined to the harlot. And it's also was sinful what all people did in their life before they came to Christ. But rather than wholly, completely cleansing the person, Larson claims the demons are hanging in there using these soul ties to do it. So you better figure out what those are. So those soul ties weren't covered by the blood of Jesus at conversion. Well, the first thing they do is use the fact that Christians still have problems to convince them that the once for all is an inadequate way of looking at it. Wow. Eric and I at Gospel of Grace Fellowship preach once for all a lot because it's in the Bible. Yeah. It's a major argument in the book of Hebrews. The sacrifice and it's of our the temple, assurance. 
Well, I know. Give them solid ground. The faith was delivered once for all. The blood of yeah, Christ yeah. was shed once for all. Okay? And uh, Hebrews says, if you go back, you're never going to have your sins taken away because these sacrifices were not once for all. They were over and over and over, and they could never take away sins. But Jesus shed his blood once for all. The Greek word is hapats, once for all. Okay. But they have no time for that. It's all a process. So why do you need to process? Because you still have problems, right? So since we haven't been perfected and we aren't raised from the dead, then now we must have all these problems. Okay. So, you see how that happens? Yeah. It's so not it's really a, a false begin- system of sanctification. Right. It's a, it's, a, it's a shamanistic, I call it shamanism. It's a shamanistic system of sanctification. But let me read on from Larson. Okay. Okay. So then he, so then he, he's probably heard some of his critics, and he says this. Why would you rely primarily on unprovable prophetic revelations and highly subjective words from the Lord to guide deliverance process, which is what people used to do and still do, Here's what he gives an alternative. When an effective interrogation of the demons can get to the root of the matter faster and more objectively, unquote. Bob Larson, Dealing with Demons, Introductory Guide to Exorcism, Discerning Evil Spirits, pages 11 and 12. So now you interrogate the demons. And by, uh, in these uh, delivered sessions, and some of this has been televised, actually made a movie sort of, trying to make it scary for people back in the 70s called The Exorcist. But they, the demons speak through people at times. Okay. And he uses his justification, the fact that Jesus sometimes did that. Right. But, but he ignores ignore, uh, authorial intent because Jesus did that not for his benefit, but for that of his listeners to show that Jesus had power and authority over all demons, even legion. Yep. But because the pagans believed that if you knew the name of a false spirit being or a god, you could control them. So okay. the, the Christian version is saying, you got to know their name. And so you interrogate demons. But here's a kicker on that one. Satan is the liar and the father of the lie. He can come as an angel of light. He always lies. He's the lawless one. Or the Antichrist is the lawless one who is of Satan. Well, how do you know these demons are telling you the truth? Yeah, that's not, that's not a very good um, credible well, a way, source. But they have a way to do it. They, they say, I command you, spirit of whatever, in the name of Jesus, to tell me the truth. And then after that, you can believe everything they say. Okay, but could they really? I mean, what, what evidence is there that that's even but, true? But see, what, what the big uh, blind spot in all that is that they're obtaining occult knowledge. Which is forbidden. Which is forbidden. So you're tempting God. Yes. 
by invoking the name of Jesus on a process that he never authorized. And you say, well, they say, well, no, no, Jesus cast out demons. He talked to, he talked to Legion the, the, and, and so on. And he sent the apostles out to cast out demons. And there was this spirit of Python. We would, I was just teaching about that in Luke. So, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no. This is a category error. That fact that people could be transferred from the authority of Satan into the kingdom of God is the point of all of this, especially in Luke Acts. Right. So they go from darkness to light, to the kingdom, Satan, to God. And the pagans didn't think there was any way out other than through shamanism and trying to find their way through a religious process. And so the good news was you can get out all at once. All right. transferred out. Okay. Now you're under Christ. And so when you go to Christ, you bring everything to him who sits on the right hand of majesty on high, and we go to the throne of grace. He's over all of this. You don't need knowledge. You see? Amen. So you see what Larson's doing is taking it away from the throne of grace, and he's invoking Christ to force the demons to tell you the truth because you need the knowledge the demons have in order to get free from the demons. Okay. Well, we actually are almost out of time, but wow. I was thinking let's let's close with Colossians 1, 13 and 14, and we will open with them again next week, but I want to just bring us back to the truth. And you just kind of touched on it here. So Colossians 1, 13 and 14, for he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. That's what we need. Not processing the past, not deliverance, not exorcism. We need the forgiveness of sins. Right. Praise All God right. for that. Amen. Right standing so, before God because of what Christ did for us. And we are called to believe God's promises. Amen. And it was done once for all. Amen. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. We want to remind you, you can access this program and many others, as well as years worth of articles on the website, cicministry.org. And we want to remind you to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. Philippians 1.27. For Critical Issues Commentary, this has been Jessica Kramis. Bob Dewey. We'll see you next week.